Well, hello, church family. This is part two of chapter three of Esther. And uh, if you were listening to the one uh, message from yesterday, you remember we just kind of went through the entire uh, chapters three of Esther, where mainly the whole thing is about how uh, Haman, this guy that seems to come out of nowhere, is promoted by the king. And uh, Mordecai is kind of left in the dust. And, um, you know, he after Mordecai saved the king, he wasn't the one uh, that got promoted, but rather Haman was. And uh, Haman wanted to have everyone, or rather the king, uh, gave this order to uh, for everyone to bow down to uh, Haman and, and pay homage to him. But Mordecai was the one that chose not to do it. And uh, you know, the king's servants were uh, wondering, hey, why aren't you doing this, Mordecai? Uh, why are you disobeying the government? And uh, Mordecai's response was that, uh, he didn't want to do it because he was a Jew. And Haman got furious. You remember he said that he, he didn't bow down and that he spent like most of the entire year just casting lots, trying to figure out when is a good time to kill Mordecai. And not just Mordecai, but the entire uh, Jewish um, people. And um, and he spent all his time figuring out and then he tried to manipulate a way for the king uh, to feel um, threatened uh, and says that there's a group of people that that doesn't go doesn't submit to your law doesn't submit to your word and is constantly living life differently and you can understand why the king is sensitive to these things because there was there were probably other plots against his life and so he thought that this was a good idea and he tells Haman to to go for it he gives him the resources to go about it and then there's this edict that goes around the entire Persian Empire. That states that uh, all Jews will be killed in a year from uh, when it was given, uh, and that's how the entire chapter three is summed up. And if you remember yesterday as well, I gave us uh, a proposition like we understand that Christians get persecuted, but there are right reasons to be persecuted, which are things like faithfulness to the Lord, uh, uh, defending um, the Bibles doctrines or uh or moral code and there are bad reasons to be persecuted and that's what we're going to go over this week first point of a bad reason to be persecuted is that you get persecuted for past controversies one very terrible reason to be persecuted is if you dwell on past controversy or you or you want to be persecuted because of something that happened in the past now if you remember Chapter three, verse one. There was this description of Haman. They said that he's a uh, he's an Agagite, and that's significant because uh, it's actually mentioned twice in the chapter. One in verse one of chapter three, and then uh, it shows up again in verse ten of chapter three. And and the reason why uh, the author is trying to draw this to you when he's describing Haman, it's not random. It's intentional because you know genealogies matter. I know when we read through things like Numbers or First Chronicles or even the, the Gospel of Genealogies, we seem to uh, not think too much of it. But there's a significance there because this actually gives you a little bit of a background of who they are and where they come from. And not only does uh, Haman have a, geneal- a small genealogy, but you also remember in chapter 2, verse 5, that Mordecai has one as well. It's that he's the son of Jair, son of Shemel, son of Kish. A Benjamite. So there's these two genealogies in this book, and both of them actually have uh, a significance because if you kind of trace both of these, you understand that 
Haman and Agagites. Uh, he's actually a descendant of Ag Agag, um, and Agag is is part of the Amalekites. And these are people that, uh, if you read through kind of the Old Testament, uh, they were the constant enemy of Israel. In Exodus 17, when uh, when when Israel got out of Egypt, they were the first people that fought against uh, the Israelites. And then in Deuteronomy 25, when as they were going through the wilderness, the uh, the Malachites came from behind and attacked. Uh, from behind, and then uh, the back is usually where all the elderly and all the women and children were. And last year we went through the Book of Judges, and then they were still there. These people uh, were this constant thorn in the flesh. And Israelites were supposed to exterminate all of them because they hated not just Israel, but they hated God. But Israelites always failed to do what they're supposed to do. And then this goes towards when you get to First Samuel 15. There's a guy named Agag, and he was one of the kings. Now that's the Agag line. If we go back to the Mordecai line, you notice again Jair, Shemel, and Kish. And Kish is actually the father of Saul. And if you remember, Saul it was a Benjamite. Uh, Saul uh, uh, was a, the first king in some ways of Israel. He was chosen by the people, even though God and uh, God and Samuel did not. You know, want him? They're like saying, "Who do you really want a king?" They said, "Yes, we want a king that looks exactly like the rest of the world." So they chose Saul because of his appearance. And Saul and Agag went against each other in First Samuel 15, verse 55. Uh, remember, uh, Saul, uh, the Jews were supposed to go to war with them, and they were supposed to take them out. Uh, but in First Samuel 15, <clears throat> Saul decides to just capture Agag. He chooses to keep him. Alive, and God told him, told him you're supposed to kill the king, you're supposed to burn all their stuff, and you're not supposed, you're not supposed to keep anything. Uh, but Saul decided to go against God, and then uh, you remember in First Samuel 15, Samuel confronts Saul. Samuel confronts Saul and said, "Hey, you're supposed to kill him because this is what God expects of you." First um, Samuel, First Samuel 15, verse 22 actually said, "Behold, to 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 obey is better than sacrifice." Uh, and this is something that Saul always does. He always does what what he thinks is best. He kind of goes, uh, bef- he does what's best and not what the Lord expects of him. And he always gets rebuked by it. But a- in this situation, Agag and Saul, Agag was captured by Saul. And uh, and, uh, and for, I'll just read this part from 1 Samuel 15. Uh, then Samuel said, bring me Agag, the king of the Malachites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. And I think Agag probably thought, oh boy, like we're free. I'm free. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death has passed. But Samuel said, as your sword has made woman childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel uh, hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgag. Um, and this is, this is a brutal scene. He did this intentionally showing that Agag is not supposed to live. These Amalekites were evil people, and if they let them live in the context of the Israel, in the in the in the in the tribe of Israel, they will corrupt the people. And again, if you look at Judges, you see that happening. So here in the Book of Esther, we actually see this this continuation. These two bloodlines from Agag and Saul are here again, and this is not like a rematch per se, because at this point in Israel's history, the problem isn't that they need to fix the past problem. At this point, all of Israel has been exiled. All of Israel were put into a different nation because of their sin. What Israel needed was not to go back and get rid of the Amalekites. No, at this point, they need to repent. They need to turn from their sins and, and turn back to Yahweh. So 
I think at this point, one of the reasons why Mordecai chose not to bow down to him is because he remembers these history. He remembers, oh, this person is uh, from that line, and I'm a Jew. So he wants to, he, I'm not going to pay homage to the guy that uh, my forefather was supposed to kill. And, you know, there's this constant bitterness that just keeps going on and on. Uh, and uh, Haman and Mordecai had this tension in their past, and Mordecai held on to it. He held to these historical issues, and these issues isn't something that they could even fix at this point. Um, rather, they needed obedience. And you can see this natural application to our life, because when we look at the church now, especially with all this social justice uh, in the context of the church, there's all these people that are commanding the church to, to apologize for something that they that that their ancestors or or people that are not even related to them have done in the past. Uh, they want to start controversies and want to be persecuted for those things. But what Christians need to do is not to fix or fight what was wrong in the past. Instead, they need to be moving forward in obedience. They can't fix the past, and we know as Christians that that's the, between them and the Lord. The people in the past are things that are done away with, and we have to be held accountable to how we live um, today you know we don't we can learn from the past and we don't want to repeat the same mistakes but we shouldn't be punished for the things that's happened in the past rather uh, we were called to forgive we're called to let things go we are because our father our heavenly father is one who forgives all of our all of our sins if we're christians we're not we're not we're not people that hold grudges people that always um hold on to past controversies even if it's not just like big social issues or even like little trivia things or in close to in, in time wise i mean if someone offended you like last year these things are not things that you want to be persecuted for you don't want to be persecuted for something that's something that happened in the past as christians we're called to let go of these bitterness ephesians 4 verse 31 and 32 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We're called to be different in the way that we respond to things in the past. Uh, we don't we don't have those things carry on with us. We understand that uh, our our past is done away with, and and, if, and even with other people in the past, if they've done any sin, it doesn't. It's not on us. We don't need to apologize for something that someone else has done. Rather, we're just called to live faithfully today. We don't need to hold the grudges or hold the problems that uh, that was that came up in the past. First Peter three eight tells us to sum it all, to sum up all of you, be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or an insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you call for that for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Peter here says the same thing, that we're called to be different, that we don't want to fight back no matter what happened in the past. Uh, we don't want to hold on to these things because that's not what Christians are. And, you know, if there's anyone that can hold a grudge is our Lord, but he chooses to forgive us of our sins. And if he can let those things go because of what he has done on the cross, there's no reason why any of us should be holding on to past controversies. Don't be persecuted because of what happened in the past. Rather, be persecuted for your present-day faithfulness. That's what we need to be as Christians. Mordecai here was uh, his person. His actions were driven by things that happened in the past. These controversies and problems in the past that he didn't has no part in anymore. But yet he still hold on. He still held on to it. And this what gets him into more trouble. We will see that tomorrow. Um, so it's first point. Uh, 
one bad reason, the first bad, terrible reason to be persecuted is for, is that you, be, you get persecuted for past controversies. Tomorrow we're going to look at uh, uh, don't get persecuted for petty customs. And we'll explain uh, what that it looks like uh, tomorrow, I guess. Um, okay. I uh, hope this is, again, helpful. And I, uh, I trust that you are, this is benefiting you in some way. And may this draw you closer to the Lord so you can live faithfully as well. Okay. Until tomorrow.